0: Good morning church, it's good to be here today as we come to worship and to celebrate. Where were you when? Every generation seems to have that question about some cultural seismic event. Where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when you heard about John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. having been shot and killed? Where were you when you heard about Columbine? Where were you on 9-11? Some of those examples predate us, but we all have a new one we can share for our generation. Where were you when you first realized that this coronavirus was for real? Moments like these are big. They change things. After them, there is no going back. Our culture shifts, our lives are never the same. And unfortunately, many of these tend to be negative events, catastrophes or tragedies. They strike with no warning and introduce a new sense of uncertainty in our lives. Is this sounding familiar? 2020 has been a year of uncertainty. And in our life, has there ever been In our lifetime, has there been such a year like this? This one has to rank in the all time top 10 of unexpected happenings and uncertain events due to its ongoing uncertainties. You could write a sci-fi novel with what has happened this year, or the headlines could be a novel. You know what's on the list because we've all been living through it. Global pandemic economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial, racial reckoning, record wildfires complete with fire tornadoes, extra powerful hurricanes, more hurricanes this season than ever before. I don't think I missed anything, but that's quite enough, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, depress us or bring us down. But quite the opposite. But in reality, this is the year that we've been living in. It's tough. It's been a tough year. And the things that I've mentioned are just circumstantial things, things outside of us. But within us, we've had the same kind of struggle. We've lived in the reality of uncertainty and how that affects us emotionally and psychologically. We've struggled with uncertainty, unknowing what the future holds. It has been a tough year, and if there was ever a year we needed Christmas, it's this. If there was ever a year we needed the hope of Christmas, it's this year. And if there's ever a year we needed the Christ of Christmas, it's this year. There's an old spiritual that says, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We need him every hour, excuse me, we need him every day and every hour. This year we need Christmas. And here it is, we've made it, Advent. And Christmas is almost here. Advent is a season of hope. It's all about hope. The word Advent actually means coming or arrival. And the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipating, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longings of the Israelites for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and at the same time, to eagerly await his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time, it looks forward to hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. During Advent, we wait for both, and it's an active, assured, and hopeful awaiting. It's not just, it's not just tradition It's it's not just something we go through. It is something we eagerly await. And it reminds us of the second coming. It reminds us of that hope that we have in Christ. Unfortunately, far too often, our Christmases have become seasons of frenzied and overwhelmingly busyness. We pack our schedules with so many seasonal happenings The stores start pushing Christmas decor and merchandising and fueling a gift-buying frenzy in October. Our season of peace is quickly overloaded and pushed out for a season of stress. But Advent is an opportunity to set all of that aside. Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and our minds and help us to place our focus on a far greater story than what is surrounding us. This story of God's redeeming love for the entire world it's not a season of pretending to be happy or to pretending to be content it is a season of hope it is a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into the world to be Emmanuel God with us It's a season of expectation and preparation. Once again, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just the hectic season of gift-giving, of socializing, which is very different this year, obviously. So wherever you are on your level of 2020 anxiety and uncertainty, wherever you are on your own spiritual journey, I want to invite you, to join us this season of Advent. Come with us as we travel through Advent this year. I would like to even suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty and in the scariness of the pandemic of this year, we've been given a gift for this Advent season. We've been given the opportunity to rediscover Christmas. We are forced to slow down. We are forced to kind of do away with some of our activities, some of the socialization, some of the social activities that were normal, that are normal. So let's take this time to rediscover Christmas. For the next four weeks, we're going to be ex- exploring the attributes of Christ that are encapsulated in his birth and the Christmas season. They are hope, peace, joy, and love. And on Christmas Eve we will celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And today we begin with the rediscovering the hope of Christmas even when we are surrounded by uncertainty, when things are hard, when we're not sure of what's gonna happen next, when we're scared about our health, our families, and our economies. We can rediscover the hope that Christ brings during this time. As we explore these themes of Advent over the next four weeks, we'll see how they relate to and are exemplified in different characters of the biblical Christmas story. Um, But first, we're gonna do a little background um, to the times that the people were living in at the time of Christ's birth. You know, we think we have it hard today, but the Israelites had it hard back in the days of the Bible. Around the time of Christ's birth, um, they could make a case for um, having it hard. Like much of the world at that time, they were a defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire. It was a harsh daily life, a time of conquest and brutality. They didn't have it easy. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the calling out of God's people It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And then the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans came. It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity that had promised a Messiah to make things right, to bless humans and to restore all that we humans had messed up since God's perfect creation. The fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming of the Messiah who would come to make everything right wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of the Israel's consciousness and culture. It was their deepest hope. It was a daily expectation, a daily longing that had sustained them, encouraged them, and even spurred them on during their most difficult years. They clung to the promise they clung to god's promise to abraham that is found in genesis 12 3. god promised abraham all peoples on earth will be blessed through you but how long oh god was the cry of the ancient israelite people and how long can hope survive especially under the world changing forces of the greek and roman empires whose whose influences still whose culture, excuse me, whose culture still influence our cultures today? Were there even any embers of hope left smoldering after thousands of years of going in and out of captivity? As we see in Luke's biblical Christmas story, the answer is yes. There was hope. Uh, just a spoiler alert, Jesus the Messiah is born at the end of the story. I know that's no surprise. But I tell you that because we're going to pick up Luke's account of the birth of Christ in a very unusual place. Most of the time we end our Christmas story narrative with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the stable. The shepherds come and they visit and they go back joyfully telling everybody about what they had seen and we sneak the magi in there because it's easier to do a big production number with everybody at the end of the story and we all sing Silent Night, and we celebrate. And yeah, that's where Luke's Christmas narrative does end the night of Jesus' birth, with the shepherd's departure, but the next ongoing scene in Luke's story comes right after it. And I'd like for us to look a little more closely today at that scene, and specifically its characters, Simeon and Anna. So we're gonna read from Luke's account, Luke chapter two, verses 22 through 38. Luke chapter 2 verses 22 through 38. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves or two young pigeons Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Piniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never, felt, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. So during this time, um, and don't forget, between the last prophet and the birth of, and actually John the Baptist, there was 400 years of silence from God. So Israel had been waiting for and longing for something from the Lord a word a message of some kind but both Simeon and Anna waited with anticipation they are elders in this story they have both lived long lives they have seen and experienced many things both hardship for their people and pain in their own lives we know Anna specifically had been a widow for many decades a position of low status in the culture but we know both Simeon and Anna had remained faithfully devoted to God. They were ready to see God act and do great things. Let's notice in Luke's account that neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that this baby Jesus is the long-promised Messiah. There was no coaxing of, of telling them, hey, really, this is him. Believe me when I tell you this is him. They, they believed. They knew. Almost everyone else in the Christmas story so far had taken a little convincing about the whole arrangement. Now granted, many of the others had, had an angel appear with a heavenly announcement and it caught them a little off guard, if not made them completely terrified at first. Maybe God knew Simeon and Anna might just have a heart attack on the spot if an angel appeared. But I think, I really think it's more than that. God knew they didn't need an angel to get the message to these faith giants. They were ready. They had been waiting. They had been longing. They were tuned in, watching, listening, and expecting. They were filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. Day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully in the temple, inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work. Even though they couldn't see it, even if they were surrounded by hardships, even as time passed and they grew older and older, Simeon and Anna still held on to hope and they fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping him, serving him, serving others Taking one step faithfully at a time, as they waited and waited and waited, of course God came through, they might have said, this is what He said He would do. The Messiah is here, He said it, and he did it. And they rejoiced and celebrated and infused new hope into the people around them, including Mary and Jesus, Jesus J- sorry, Mary and Joseph this young couple who were still trying to figure out just what it meant to be the parents, the earthly parents of God's son, the Messiah. We can take some, some lessons from Simeon and Anna because they reveal several things about hope and its power that we can take away and apply in our lives today when hope is so desperately needed. Hope sees beyond hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe, just maybe. It's the spark in the cold darkness that catches flame. It's the flicker of first light on a new morning. No matter how bad your years have, no matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you are facing right now, No matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you are in let me encourage you to hold on to hope don't abandon hope hope is always alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty hope is alive because god is with us Emmanuel Romans 8 is a well-known chapter in the Bible, uh, but there's a section of it that often gets overlooked. In this chapter, Paul starts off clarifying that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. He then explains our relationship as God's children and what it looks like to live by God's Spirit. Then he shifts to our future when God will fulfill his work in us and restore all of creation and here in verses 24 through 26, Romans eight, twenty-four through 26, God, Paul says this. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let me reread that part again. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? You see, hope exists before reality comes to pass. I'm going to ask Carson to come up quickly. (laughs) Hope exists before reality comes to pass. So Carson can come up here and she can hope that I'm going to give her a $100 bill out of my pocket. Do you hope for that? Mm. that, that's not helping. Yes. Yes, thank you. She can hope and hope and stay here days if she has to, hoping I will give her a $100 bill out of my pocket. She can expect it, she can tell herself to wait, and she can keep believing that it's going to happen. So, there you go. I get it back up. (laughs) So now, does Carson have hope now for that $100 bill? No. Why? Because it's a reality now. I gave her the $100 bill. She can stop hoping because it's a reality. You can't keep hoping it will happen because it already has happened. Hope precedes our present reality. In our darkest hour, we have hope. Hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty before. It exists in questions. Hope exists in doubts, in that unclear sense of what is to come. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and realities are presenting to us now i included the beginning of verse 26 in our romans reading because i think it's really really important in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness this leads us to our second point god is with us here now and always god is with us with god there is no uncertainty God knows our pains and our challenges, our struggles. He wasn't taken by surprise when a new coronavirus mutated mutated and spread and went global. He was not surprised when the economy froze and sank. He was not surprised when you or your loved one received that dreaded diagnosis or call in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart or shattered your world or left you in confusion or uncertainty. sees us and he is here he is Emmanuel God with us God with you and this hope he delivers this hope he embodied and fulfilled and brought into the world so long ago this hope that he offers us today this is not a hope he dangles before us taunting us with it just out of reach it is not a hope he demands us to conjure as we struggle in our life's worst moments to achieve No. This is a hope that he infuses within us through his Holy Spirit. It is a hope filled and fanned within us by that same Spirit, even in our darkest hour, in our weaknesses, even in our grim circumstance and deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems too far away or so impossible, when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping on even the ability to try to hope, his spirit is with us. His spirit helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and promises. His spirit leads us into God's word and its reminders of all God has done for us and all he has promised to do. Our God, our Emmanuel who is with us, has promised his people throughout history and has promised us today messages of hope, including these two. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isaiah 43, 1 through 12. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Can you feel the hope in those verses? We are not alone, even when we are lonely. We are not alone in our darkest moments, whether it's, in a personal tragedy or a world pandemic. Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. Hope inspires us to carry on. That's our third point. Hope inspires us to carry on. The Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope like this. In in Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, he explains that because of Jesus... We boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope. This hope from God's Spirit does not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength to go beyond the pain and confusion in front of us. This empowering of hope reminds us of a great story from COVID nineteen, from the COVID-19 pandemic. You may have heard it. Um, it's about a gentleman named Captain Tom. In all the doom and gloom of the pandemic, Captain Tom rose as a hero and an unlikely hero at that. Tom Moore, who is now Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England, is the 100-year-old man who single-handedly raised $40 million for the British healthcare system by walking 100 laps around his garden. Big deal, you may say. That's right, but it was 100 laps, each representing a year of his life. Tom Moore is 100 years old. What started as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate $1 per lap went viral when his daughter posted the campaign on an online charity site. The news spread quickly and suddenly this World War II veteran, gripping his walker, wearing a navy blue blazer decorated with his military medals, walking around his garden, became a national hero. He also became an international hero. Captain Tom was an inspiration. This is a cool story, an amazing story. And he says he wants to travel the world once the pandemic subsides. It's pretty good for somebody who's 100 years old. But there's a great lesson about hope in this story. Listen to this, what Captain Tom told reporters. "'The first step was the hardest,' he said. "'After that, I got into the swing of it "'and kept on going.'" The first step was the hardest. Isn't that true of so many things for us? Isn't that true of hope? The first step is the hardest. It can be so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for that tiny spark of hope when we feel so swallowed up by our circumstances, by our pain. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles to grasp our Lord's outstretched hand. It can feel almost impossible to take that first step toward hope When we are weighted down by so many burdens but when we receive the promise of hope in god's word we find new strength when we accept the power of hope granted to us in god's spirit we find new inspiration when we focus on the power of hope embodied in the birth life death resurrection return and eternity of jesus we discover new strength to take that first step and we keep on stepping and walking maybe even running one step at a time hope inspires us hope emboldens us hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what so what is your next step of hope today maybe it's a first step what is your first step of hope in this Advent season? As we long for and anticipate the birth of Christ, the celebration of the birth of Christ, but we also long for and anticipate the second coming of Christ, not as a baby, but as king. So often we as humans want to see what happens tomorrow. We want to know the future. We want to skip to the end of the story But our lives don't work like that. It's not a privilege that we've been granted. But in Christ, we have been given the knowledge of the end of the ultimate story. In Christ, we have been given true life that transcends the pains of earth and the brokenness of our present world. Recently, I heard a song on WRBS uh, that was written by Francesca Battistelli, Molly Reed, and Jeff Pardo. It was the first time I heard it and it moved me to hope. It's called Behold Him. She put up the tree, stockings one, two, three. They all know one is missing. It's been a whole year without him right here. Won't be the same kind of Christmas. Some years it's wonder and lights in the sky. Some years it's okay to cry. December 23rd, four months out of work. And the bills just keep coming try to stay strong but he wonders how long he'll come home empty-handed in every prayer you lift to the sky in every tear that you cry in your silent night when you're not all right lift your eyes and behold him feel the thrill of hope you're not alone in this moment behold him born to seek and born to save Born to take our pain away, God with us, Emmanuel. In his arms, all is well. In your silent night, when you're not all right, lift your eyes and behold him. Feel the thrill of hope, you are not alone. In this moment, behold him. King forevermore, oh come, let us adore Christ our Savior, behold him. Feel the thrill thrill of hope, We are not alone. In this moment, behold him. In each moment, behold him. In this Advent season, we can find hope in the arrival and life of Jesus as we behold him. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness in fulfilling his long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on the hope of God's continued work in us, through us, and all around us that will one day take away even the need for hope as we realize the reality of God's full restoration. And in the midst of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience the hope of God's spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us the strength to take the next step before us. So my invitation to you is to take a step Toward hope in this Advent season. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. The candle of hope has been lit, and we look forward in different ways to the celebration of Christmas. This year is different. There's no denying it. It's a hard year, and we face many challenges. But hope is still dawning. Christ is coming, Christ is returning again. So as we walk in hope, let's welcome him into our hearts and lives every day in this season of expectation and hope. Let's pray. God, as we walk forward even today, facing many challenges that we never expected, facing uncertainties that surround us as individuals, families, as a country, and as a world. We do so walking in hope because of Christ. I ask that you would meet us where we are and that we would take that next step of hope into what you have for us. Into this wonderful Advent season of eagerly awaiting the celebration of Christ's birth, but also eagerly awaiting his return, his victorious return. And I pray for Valley as we eagerly await In hope that we would spread that hope. We would show others that Christ truly is our only hope. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.